Welcome to IB Talk, the insurance industry's leading podcast, brought to you by Insurance Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of IB Talk, the insurance industry's leading podcast. I'm Paul Lucas, IB's global editor, and it's nice to be back after quite a while without personally hosting one of these podcasts. Uh, But I was drawn back into the host seat for what I think is going to be a fascinating edition of our podcast, focused on understanding cargo coverages and brought to you by Falvey Insurance Group. Uh, In this podcast, we are going to delve into the differences and relationships between different types of cargo insurance coverage that affect the transportation and logistics marketplace and to guide us, we have two of the leading names in the industry. Uh, firstly, we have Jack Falvey. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Falvey Insurance Group. Uh, he's worked at the company since 2013, was named an insurance business young gun back in 2019, and more recently scooped the honor of 2022 C-Suite Rising Star by Providence Business News. Uh, welcome to the show, Jack. So to be here, Paul. And alongside Jack, we have Mike McKenna, the Chief Underwriting Officer at Falvey Insurance Group. Uh, He is focused on profitable growth of the existing product suite and the overall specialty product offering. Uh, He's previously held roles at the likes of the Hartford and Navigators. Uh, Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure to be here and thank you for that introduction. Um, so, gents, let's start with an overview, if you don't mind, uh, taking a look at the, the most significant changes in the cargo insurance market over the last year. Um, of course, there's been a lot of outside factors to take into consideration, COVID, supply chain issues, et cetera. Uh, what do you think has, has influenced the landscape the most? Um, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Okay, great. Thank you, Paul. Um, I, I believe there's many factors that are currently contributing to the current uh, market environment in the global cargo business. And I'll just go through a few of the points and then um, I think Jack will add a couple of comments um, as I go through these. But, But the biggest one, in my opinion, is the need for the business to continue to return to profitability. The, the cargo market over the last few years has suffered from lack of return and lack of return on equity for the markets that have been in the business in the global marketplace. So to me, that is one of the biggest dynamics. Um, The second one that I have that I'm thinking about is um, global catastrophe losses that are in both the property as well as marine markets. Um, We compete as a stock throughput um, cargo offering here in the U.S. with the property markets as well as the marine markets. And these losses that include both primary and secondary perils are things that are significantly affecting both reinsurance as well as insurance. Um, Inflation is another factor which is significantly influencing the cargo market. It has an extreme impact on valuations as well as potential losses on the claim value side. Uh, Global capacity changes, we have seen an influx in capacity specifically in the London market, which is um, having an influence on the marketplace. And then, of course, you have the Russia-Ukraine war, which has significantly impacted the perils insured under the cargo war policy as well. You've set the scene for us brilliantly there, Mike. Uh, Jack, did you want to add anything? Yeah. And just to add uh, to what Mike is saying as well, I think 
you know, some of the big things that happened over the last few years that brought this cargo and supply chain market um, kind of onto the main uh, media screens is, you know, obviously these major supply chain issues that have happened, um, you know, the big one being the Suez Canal with the with the Ever Given kind of highlighted the delicacy of the supply chain. And over the last few years, you've seen the big backlogs that have occurred, um, and that uh, caused some uh, clients and businesses to look at alternating um, kind of where they're sourcing their goods from, which have opened up uh, unique challenges for them. Um, and as a result of that, the entire supply chain and, and warehousing efforts resulted in a lot more storage being uh, undertaken by businesses. Um, and that's sucked up some of the capacity that the market has had. Um, and I think we're looking now at how some of that's starting to be released or where things are being sourced or where businesses um, are looking to continue to utilize their supply chains efficiently. Um, and that's kind of changed the way that underwriters are looking at businesses on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, it's amazing to, to to hear the mention of, of Ever Given. Um, that was such a huge news story at the time. And I must admit, there's so much that happened since. i uh, almost forgotten about it. But of course, for you guys, it must be very much front of mind. And there's been so many changes, of course, over these last couple of years. Are, are there any particular coverage areas that you think are, are maybe more important now or, or that perhaps are even getting overlooked currently, uh, Mike? I think I would sort of return back to a few of the market dynamics to kind of answer that question. And, and I want to focus a little bit on catastrophe losses, both modeled and unmodeled. I, I believe currently that the industry is looking at catastrophe losses in a different way than they were a few years ago. I see competitors catastrophe modeling risks now in the cargo market to help with pricing. I see reinsurance changes. I see limit management deployment changing across the global marketplace. And all of these things are contributing to the current dynamic. And that current dynamic is that the market is in a fairly, um, I would say static state when it comes to rates on the back of a few years now of rate improvement from the underwriting side to really deal with the profitability issue that I mentioned. Um, when we look at specific coverage areas, we do see people paying attention to the warranties on the policies, the aggregation of limits when it comes to some of these primary perils on the global catastrophe side, and things like that that are working their way down. And, and, and also even into the specialized coverages, when I look at things like um, carriers that would be approved for, say, life science offerings on the specialized carrier side. So those are the kinds of things that are happening on the coverage area side. I just feel underwriters are being much more diligent when it comes to risk selection, as well as the risk assessment side of the house. Okay. Diligent underwriters, Jack, do you agree? Uh, absolutely agree with that. And I think that's really coming into the forefront when you are looking at some of the um, values that are being reported when you know the goods are in movement, but they are stored in warehouses at times. And um, a lot of times underwriters are now making sure to go back and ask, um, you know, this is the limit you've asked for. Does this still apply? Um, as you've seen inflation hit um, valuations of cargo goods uh, while in storage, sometimes the limit purchased at certain locations isn't adequate anymore. And you're ending up uh, with clients being underinsured. And that's definitely something that underwriters in the marketplace are certainly taking a look at to make sure that, you know, they've got the right exposure capture and the right limit and pricing deployment um, to match these changing risks in, in this ever-changing supply chain model. 
Well, Jack, while we're talking about the, the sort of the different coverage types and so on, if, if you don't mind, can you just give us some insight in terms of how these coverages are impacted based on regionality? For example, if you're taking cargo to Europe or if you're taking cargo to Asia, I mean, what's the difference there? Well, to start off, cargo truly is a global uh, marketplace um, in terms of, you know, the goods are moving around the world in this globalized world. And um, one of the things you have to keep in mind that each area of the world has its own unique risk. Um, and so traditionally, you've looked at a historical, very Asian uh, manufacturement of goods uh, that have been then shipped out to the West. Um, you're starting to see uh, the cost of, of workers, let's say, in particular in Mexico, is now lower than that of in Canada. So as you're seeing these manufacturing um, plants moving geographically, it brings in new risks that the underwriters are keeping in mind. Um, some of the major ones certainly being theft um, in certain areas of the world, whether it's Europe uh, or Central South America. Um, those are coverage considerations underwriters are going to be looking at with higher deductibles or limits for certain types of occurrences. Um, as you're looking around the world, certain natural catastrophe events are more prevalent than others. Um, so you are going to look a, a lot more um, at wind and, and flood coverages in, in Europe than historically maybe you would have uh, in Asia historically. So there certainly are uh, cases where policy considerations need to be made based upon where your goods are going. Um, if it's just on the transit side, um, what are you doing? Um, certainly for theft in certain regions of the world as that's been increasing dramatically. And, you know, the, the geographical locations of some of your temporary storage locations. Yeah. Uh, Mike, any particular uh, differences in coverage that, that you would highlight based on different regions? Yeah, I, I would kind of echo quite a bit of what Jack said um, and, and say that, you know, stock throughput cargo offerings are, are global in nature yet are being looked at by underwriters on a very tight regional sort of lens focus. Take, for example, supply chain disruptions in China, as Jack talked about, that can significantly affect the throughput for companies if manufacturing slows down or is curtailed. And that works its way back in, say, exposure levels on the inventory side as well as on the transit side. Um, focusing on something like regional inflation on prices of precious metals and components can have a big issue when it comes to the exposures as well as the throughput for our individual clients. Jack mentioned geopolitical differences. It might result in tariffs, shortage of workers in manufacturing throughout the global supply chain are all issues that produce threats on both the risk side as well as the premium side as we sort of deal with this global nature and the individual regionality of how the globalization of manufacturing in particular has taken hold over the last few decades. And, and just to, to add on to that too, Mike, because you brought up the geopolitical side, I mean, we can't not talk about the Russia-Ukraine implications and um, as certain coverages and restrictions are being pushed into the marketplace around that, um, it's starting to spread further and further out from just Ukraine. Uh, and those are considerations that need to be considered, especially in Europe. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining if we if we delve into the the Russia Ukraine situation, that could be a, a podcast all in its its own right, I think. But um, if you don't mind, I'd just like to to zoom in a little bit on on the, on the broker element of this. I mean, do you think there are you know particular elements of coverage that they should be highlighting to their clients? I mean, I'm imagining, of course, it's it's dependent on the individual client, but perhaps you can pinpoint some coverage areas for for general cargo, technology, life sciences, things like this, Mike. 
Yeah, I, I, I think in this side of it, um, here at Falvey, we're, we're very life science, technology, medical device focused. And, and I think customers as well as brokers um, should be focusing on things within the supply chain, as, as was mentioned earlier. Carrier availability is a very big issue right now for um, companies and carriers that are actually able to deal with specialized temperature control cargo. We find this to be an issue on a capacity standpoint from the major carriers that handle specialized temperature control cargo. And this is something that our customers are wrestling with and dealing with. And, and we have a full in-house loss control as well as sort of consultation business to help our customers through that. The, the other thing I would think about from the broker's perspective when it comes to general cargo would be things like warehouse concentration that might be due to the changing in inventory management. Over the last few years, we've seen just in case, sorry, we've seen just in time turn to just in case inventory management. And that has created issues when it comes to um, concentrations for both fire as well as non-fire risks. And then I would also consider um, valuation in the policy wordings. Should we be looking at selling price? Should we be looking at selling price plus based on the current inflation environment? And does the policy terms match the client's needs when it comes to valuations? Yeah, I find myself uh, nodding along when you're talking about valuations there. Jack, I'm, I'm guessing you agree as well. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think historically, when, when some clients have, have been looking to save a bit, they've looked at that replacement cost valuation. Um, but with the inflationary impact of that, what you're finding is that clients are left in the hole um, as you're trying to, to fight the supply chain or, or fight the inflation just to get the goods replaced again. Uh, and that becomes quite an issue um, for them. And, um, in addition, also just making sure that, you know, if there are certain coverages and perils, you know, needed for the goods, you know, such as spoilage and, or um, temperature sensitive goods to make sure that that's addressed up front um, with the underwriters to, to see if, you, if coverage is available and, and at what price, um, because sometimes that, that is overlooked uh, when placing a, a cargo policy. And, and that uh, usually leads to not a not pleasant conversation with the client if, if you do have a spoilage loss. Well, I want to ask you about terrorism risk as well, if I may. I mean, with all of the events of, of the last few years, which, of course, we, we touched on a little bit earlier, it, it seems almost as though terrorism has, has sort of fallen out of the headlines, uh, especially when compared to, to COVID or all of the, the cost of living issues that people are facing. Um, but how big is terrorism risk in this space and, and, and what sort of coverage is available? Because, you know, I'm guessing this, this hasn't gone away, has it, Jack? No, it certainly hasn't at all. And usually when you're seeing some events around the world, the first uh, label that's put on it is terrorist or sabotage um, that, that is impacting these cargo losses. Um, when you look at the coverages that are available, I think the vast majority of brokers would look to lean on TRIA, uh, which is that Terrorism Reinsurance um, Act um, that pretty much everyone leans on. But that only focuses on U.S. domestic losses. And since a lot of uh, businesses are global in nature. That coverage does not extend towards the rest of the world. So there are great products out there, um, some that we offer as well, but worldwide terrorism is that great solution there that provides the coverage for your clients around the world um, and doesn't rely on um, kind of the, the triggers that TRIA has. It's, it's more defined. Um, it's a better 
product overall for clients. Um, and I think with everything happening in the world, it's a much more heightened risk for insurers to be thinking about if they have an international footprint um, to really be thinking about, <clears throat> you know, my cargo policy will not cover acts of terrorism um, or even war per se on the goods. Do I have coverage in place if that what was once a very, very small percent, now maybe a percent chance uh, of happening, do I have that coverage in place? Um, and there is a, a big market out there for clients to get coverage uh, for them on a global nature. Yeah, I, I imagine, Mike, that, I mean, that's a, a, a risk in itself, isn't it? I mean, some policies just don't offer this coverage. That, 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 that is the case, and, and that's absolutely correct. Um, we here at, at Falvey are introducing global terrorism products, but within the global terrorism market, there are areas of concern for carriers, and, and those concerns are both you know, held internally as well as when it comes to reinsurance availability. And sometimes that sort of constrains capacity grants when it comes to terrorism. I, I think thinking of terrorism as a whole, it's meant to disrupt. And, and if we think about disruption scenarios when it comes to terrorism, disrupt, disrupting trade, disrupting supply chains, electric grids, for instance, that could have multiple effects over many policies. I think it's something that insurers have on their minds, but I also think it's something insurers really need to dig into to understand the ERM aspect and the enterprise risk management piece of what these events could be and how to protect not only their clients, but their own balance sheets against terrorism events. I think we've, we've probably delved into quite a lot of uh, different coverage types, but is there anything uh, additional that you'd like to see brokers consider for, for different types of clients? Maybe anything that we've not touched on so far, Jack? Well, I think a leading topic of the last few years in the insurance space has certainly been cyber. Um, and I think just like a lot of cargo underwriters, when you're thinking about cyber with the movement of physical goods, it often gets uh, overlooked. Um, but there are certain clauses that are out there in the industry standard wordings that have a, a, a bit of a vague removal of coverage from the event of a cyber caused loss. Um, and it does create a, a slight gap there as well, which I think brokers should be taking a look at what other solutions are available, what coverage extensions are out there, just to close the, the loop on any event where cyber could potentially be that root cause of a cargo loss. Um, and I think that's something that um, definitely brokers should be considering taking a look at. Uh, in addition, I think the product recall space has certainly been growing. And um, with the change in some wordings going on in the marketplace uh, with the inventory and processing, Product recall is certainly uh, a product that brokers and clients should be looking at for many, any defects or manufacturing um, that might be occurring to really close that loop out um, for the, their whole manufacturing and supply chain risks that they have. Okay, so we got cyber, we got product recall. Mike, has, has Jack left you with anything? I, I, I think he's, he's covered quite a bit of it. Cyber in particular for you know the cargo market is one if we think about systemic events and I think um, those are items that are constantly on the minds of risk managers as well as brokers alike. I think other things like extending property policies to cover business interruption and contingent business interruption are solutions that clients are looking for that are a little bit outside the realm of what a standard ocean cargo stock throughput policy 
would cover would be things that could be looked at. And, and I do believe that cyber can evolve to more appropriately be covered within sort of first party um, cargo policies going forward. And it's something we at Valvia are working on trying to create more innovative solutions with our carriers and for our customers. Well, I think this this podcast has, has already been massively helpful uh, for our audience. But um, if you don't mind, I'd just like to, to throw one final question at each of you, uh, which is, if you would, to, to leave us with a, a general tip for brokers who are operating in the cargo space in 2023. Uh, perhaps how can they either drum up more clients or, or be more proactive in retaining the ones they have? So, um, Mike, I'll, I'll come to you for your tip first. I'll, I'll, I'll kick off with a couple of items, and, and these are not going to be items that the brokerage community out there are not already aware of. But from my perspective, data is, is key. And, and I was taught at a very young age as an underwriter that, you know, no data, no deal was consistently talked about in underwriting circles that I've dealt with over the years. And knowing your clients conveyances, knowing how it's warehoused, knowing what their risk management techniques look like, understanding how important risk and risk assessment is to the customers is key because the more underwriters know about this risk assessment and this ability for their clients to manage risk, the less premium variance a client can can expect over time. Um, and, And I do think the other thing is that when available, Having clients work with firms where the underwriting expertise is matched up to the commodity, as well as when consultation and loss control services are available, that these should be utilized to the biggest degree possible. And then lastly, I I would say that this does remain a relationship business and relationships do matter over the cycles, both when rates are firming as well as when rates might not be firming as much as they are in these current cycles. So those would be the few things I would add there. Okay, I think you've set the tip bar pretty high. Uh, Jack, can you beat that? Yeah, the only thing I'd add on that is, is in the unique kind of specialty space like cargo is, is to make sure that you're taking the time to understand the terms. Um, if you're uncertain about things, make sure that you're working with, as Mike said, those specialized underwriters and working with them to make sure you understand uh, what's on the application, what's being asked for, or what some of the unique terms are um, in, in a cargo policy that goes back with Admiralty Law for for uh, decades and decades, just so that you're able to answer the questions clearly and make sure that what you're relaying to the underwriter is exactly what they're expecting it to be. Um, I think just making sure you're taking that time ahead to remain educated in this space will give you um, a a better experience when placing business, but also will help you have a step uh, forward on any generalist competitor brokers that that you might be uh, up against in terms of really differentiating yourself and understanding the coverages that you're providing. Yeah, fantastic tips from you both. Um, huge thanks, Jack and Mike, for some some brilliant insights. Um, and, and to everybody listening, of course, we hope that you're feeling like you've got all of the, the cargo you need to deliver the, the best products for your clients. Um, many thanks to Falvey Insurance Group. And we'll talk to you next time here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBA Talk. For more from the team at Falvey Insurance Group, visit them at falveyinsurancegroup.com. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us. You can tune in on all the major listening channels. Just search for IB Talk.